you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I love doing these pre-interviews with people when I get to meet them for the first time just before they come on the show. And today, Catherine and I were just having an amazing conversation, which I think is just going to be beneficial to today's topic of leveraging that strong presence. We we just had this quick discussion about, you know, being on Zoom and, you know, how do you create that presence on Zoom when you don't even feel like getting out of your pajamas? Yeah, <laughs> true. So Catherine comes from a performance and education background with a bachelor's degree in music and education from the University of British Columbia. So she's a fellow Canadian. Before starting her business in 2007, she divided her time between singing in the opera, teaching music to primary school students, and even did a stint in corporate training at one of the big five accounting firms. Now that you're going to be very impressed with this next list, she holds certificates in image consulting and advanced image consulting from the International Image Institute in Ontario, Canada, as well as her second level international designation certified image professional with the Association of Image Consultants International. And let's just say she's got a lot of certificates with a lot of letters in them. (laughs) I know it's so funny, right? Like which letters so welcome pick. to the show, Catherine. So lovely to be here. And it's so nice to, as I was saying just before we got on the live, that it's nice to put a face to the text. Mm. Like because you can sit you can see somebody in a picture, but you mm. never really get a sense of them until you're you're at least virtually face to face. And even then, you still really have to meet somebody to understand. So I must admit, it is really nice using Podmatch because they it does yeah. allow us to get a, a sense of who you are before the interview. So mm-hmm. very impressed. So it, use Podmatch. It is it is actually a fantastic service because I just jumped on about a month ago and I've already booked ten appearances. Yeah, like it's it's an amazing resource. And I think for as a podcast host, it must be tricky. Like you're always looking for cool people to guest, and I just think it's a great matching service. Looked at a few other ones, but Podmatch is the best. Yeah, like the the thing is, is um you know I had been inconsistent with the podcast the last couple of years just with health issues, moving cross country, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, pandemic. I mean, there was a lot of reasons why. And when I decided I wanted to get more consistent, I'm like, I went back through, you know, a lot of the guests that I really enjoyed. I contacted all of them. And then Mm. I'm like, I got to find new guests. Like I've kind of run through my network and I had seen Podmatch advertised. Actually, it was somebody on LinkedIn. It was actually Alex who runs Podmatch. Right. I, I got connected with him on LinkedIn and I saw his post and I'm like, I got to check this out. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I, I was just so impressed because like you, I 
well, I've actually been on a couple of other ones over the years. Right. And Podmatch by far, it's systematic, mm-hmm. um, really allows me to check you out. It makes everything easy. Like they have a schedule button. So I don't have to yeah. share my schedule link. All you've got to do is once I accept you, you click the schedule button, it sends you the release, like it does Mm -hmm. everything. And I was just so impressed. And like you said, Mm -hmm. you've been on it a month and how many interviews do you have now? I have 10. This is the first of 10, right? Yeah. And they're like, they're like into, into the summer and stuff like summer booked out quite a ways out. But my goal is to do, originally it was 24 and now I'm like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I could do like 52 appearances in a year? (laughs) I think it would be very, very possible. So you're wondering, what does this have to do with leveraging a strong presence? Well, you know what? When you get on podcasts, that's a strong presence. But first of all, Catherine, since this is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast, why don't you just take a few minutes with us and, you know, share a bit more about your business story and and how you sure. how you came to do this and why is it so important to you yeah i would love to it's interesting because i don't know how many of your listeners or if you yourself are sort of a believer in like listening to the little whispers from the universe on like things you should be doing those um, god voices right the god voices totally and so in my transition from teaching through to where i am now i actually divinely ejected from teaching because I had a lung tumor. Like I wasn't happy. It was bad. It was really bad. And um, when the lung tumor showed up, it was this big slap in the face of, oh, you're literally suffocating in these jobs. And if you don't leave, you're going to die. And so I went on medical leave. I had no plan. And then I just quit. No plan. I had tenure. I would have had to kill somebody to get fired. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So then I started doing a few odd jobs here and there. And I I started working with a coach for sales because I was doing this sort of outside sales job with a a construction company. And when that thing went sideways, he, I was sitting in his office and he's kind of like an alpha male dude. So he had like this big desk and he was like, and he said, he literally literally said to me, he's like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up little lady? And I, I mean, today I'd be like, you're fired. Don't talk to me like that. But as I was sitting across the desk from him, I had this really weird vision, super crazy. I don't know how many of your audience members are visual thinkers, but I literally saw this weird vision. So it was like, it was ICU in a circle and the, I had Times New Roman font, silver lettering, purple background, like super specific with image consulting underneath it. And that was the first company name I used. And the first tagline I ever used was intensive care for your image. And I saw that and I started to laugh. I was like, ah, <laughs> that's not even a real job. Like who does that job? And he looked at me and he said, that is a real job and you could do that job. And I don't know how much you know about image consulting fashion. Do you know much about the industry? But the interesting thing about this is that it's totally unregulated. Like you could hang your shingle out tomorrow and say I'm an image consultant and nobody would blink. It's completely the Wild West, totally unregulated. So I was like, I don't know. I look all right. I've read some books. I'll just get a business card and a website and start practicing. (laughs) And I don't recommend that approach to anybody right now. I'm honestly like if anybody wants to get into image consulting or styling, please get some training. And the reason is because it's a massively intimate process. Once you start digging around in somebody's closet, there's always more in the closet than clothes. Like it's really, it's intimate, right? So, so I highly recommend training. In any case, I didn't do that. I just built up my business around my corporate job. And when the recession hit in, what was that? 2007 recession hit, And I was like, oh, I guess I'm fired. I was like, okay, I guess I'll just start my image consulting business full time then. And my husband told me like a number of years later, he said to me, you know, he said, when you said you were going to start an image consulting business in the recession, I thought you were crazy, but I didn't say anything. And he's like, look where we are. He's a good husband. Good husband, right? 
and I was lucky. I got into a business development program through EI, through the government of Canada, and it was actually a, a year-long program. So you had a certain time, uh, like three months of entrepreneurial readiness training. So they wanted to check out to make sure you were you had the guts to be an entrepreneur and the skills to be an entrepreneur. And then you had three months of business planning. Uh, I'm not sure if it was, yeah, I think it was three months of business planning and learning how to do that. So I wrote my, you know, sick business plan, which I just laugh at now. Then you have six months with EI to work on your business and you have business advisory all the way along. I was very, very lucky to be able to do that. And then that's when I went and I thought, okay, if I'm going to be serious, I need some training. So that's when I went to Toronto and did my certifications there. And what happened was Karen Brunger, who owns the Image Institute, and she's a longtime consultant. She's one of the pioneers in the industry. She liked me. So I interned with her, uh, and then she really liked me. So then she made me her Western Canada image trainer. So in addition to my private practice, I was teaching consultants how to be consultants at Langara, which is one of the colleges out here in Vancouver. And I just did it. And then as my clients got promoted and got further up the chain in their companies, then they said to me, look, we really want you to come and work with our executive teams, but we're tired of explaining to the people who write the checks that you're not really an image consultant, that you're more than that, that you're doing deeper work. You're doing more around communications and relational skills and you're coaching and you're bringing a kind of a breadth of experience to the work that we're doing here more than just the appearance related pieces. Mm -hmm. And so they said, you need to change your business. And I'm like, well, okay. So then I rebranded in 2018 to Lazarus Consulting, and now I can do what I like, consult on anything. And the freedom of it is so wonderful. Just great to not be locked into, because image consulting has a specific connotation. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was the thing. They're like, we can't really call, you know, we can't hire an image consultant to do this because the optics are bad. Because people think, oh, it's just styling or it's nice to have, not a need to have. And it's really not, for me, it's never been about that because I actually am kind of an outlier in my industry because I hate shopping. I hate it. And I hate, like, I don't really care about fashion. Like, I don't care. I like to look good. I like people to look good, but I really want them to, it's really an inside out job for me. And a lot of consultants are like that, which is great. But I find for me, it's much more about whatever container you're here on the planet in is the perfect container to do whatever you're meant to do on the planet. And the sooner you make friends with your container, the easier your life is going to roll. You know, when you were talking, I was, I was thinking about what you're saying and you know, there's such an emotional element when you're dealing with image consulting because it's mm -hmm. it's not just about picking out the right clothing and the coloring and, and all this. No. Like, you're directly dealing with the person's image of themselves and how they see themselves. And so it's not, you know, it's not just this quick shopping trip where you go, oh, here, wear this and, you know, throw on some blue eyeshadow or, you know, whatever, right? Right. Um, I mean, I want to be clear, there is a place for styling. There's yes. absolutely a place for styling. You know, you have an appearance, you need to do something quickly for styling. And there are some really, really gifted stylists out there. There's a, uh, it, there's a place for that 100%. And there are lots of stylists and consultants that I know that don't really want to do the psychological work. They don't want to, they don't just, just like, I don't want to mm -hmm. do that. I want to help people really look good on the outside. And so it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. Yes. I go from the really core of, you know, who you are at four is who you are at 104. You don't really change. So it's, it's about layering up those pieces that are really going to make you look as good as you are and feel as good as you are and be as good as you are. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, just before the show, we were talking about the fact that it's, it's not always about what's in fashion or what's in style. It's about mm what makes you look and feel good not just look good but feel good I mean yeah I've worn pieces I've looked good in yep and I can't wait to rip those things off when I yeah. get home because oh. I do not feel good in them yeah. 
And it's interesting because in people's personality styles, I 100% feel you on that, by the way, like one of the greatest sensations in the world is taking off all your clothes when you get home at, at night. <laughs> get it off, right? Probably if I could run around naked more often, I probably would, like feels really good. Um, but I think about there are di- different, different personality styles where there are people who are willing to be uncomfortable in order to yes. look fantastic. Those are the same people who will buy a really beautiful piece of furniture for their, their home that you yes. can't sit on. <laughs> it feels terrible. You're not, you're not, you're not like snuggling in and watching. No, it's not like that. There's a spectrum, right? So some people yes. are really willing to be uncomfortable and some people are not. And I am, I am like, I'll endure a little bit of discomfort, but not a lot. Like, you know, you wouldn't catch me in high heels now. I think that, I think the piece that people miss sometimes too, is that you have to consider the context for whatever it is you're doing. So whenever I'm working with people, I talk about the three C's of credible presence. I talk about your character which is the in, all the internal stuff, all the stuff that needs to be represented visually on the outside, represented in your environment, yeah. represented in your work, in the passions that you have, in the way that you behave in the world, so that people really understand you deeply and quickly, or as quickly as you can understand somebody. It's sort of like an amuse-bouche, you know, like I will give you a little taste about who I am and then, you know, deepen things over time. But the character piece is really important. And then I talk about congruence. Yes, because it has to make sense. People can smell hmm, a mile away. Thank you. Thank you for keeping my good apple rating. Appreciate you're that. You're welcome. You're very welcome. You're welcome. But yeah, people can smell it if you're not congruent. So it's that whole idea of making sure that whatever you're doing is actually in context. And I had an experience with that when I started working with a business consultant about four or five years into my business, maybe six years into my business. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get serious and get a business coach and, you know, break that six figure mark and really go for it. And I remember going into his, his beautiful boardroom. And at the time I'm, I'm really into Mm self-expression and I think people really need that's That's the goal of life is to be as fully self-expressed as you can be in this world and do everything you're meant to do here. I was kind of, you know, like really funky and chunky and I had all these things. And I used to carry around the five subject Hillroy spiral notebooks because they're super practical and I'm a very practical person. And I had glitter gel pens because you know, who doesn't like glitter? (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, so, so I'm sitting in this boardroom, and I'm so excited. And he literally walks into the boardroom, looks at me, looks at my book, says nothing, leaves. And I'm sitting there like, okay, comes back in with one of those moleskin with the bookmark, the hardcover, beautiful notebook. He puts it down on the table. And he says to me, I want you to transfer your notes from that into this. And I never want to see that on my table again. And I was like, but, my, but I love this book and my clients love how practical I am. And he goes, what kind of consultant are you again? I'm like, an image consultant. He goes, yeah, step it up. And now I have a beautiful leather folio that I really enjoy and, and like nice pens and things like that. And I've, I've developed a bit of a thing for nice pens, but it was just a really interesting object lesson immediately of if you are, so like if you're a writer, since we're on the Author to Authority podcast, if you're a writer and you're writing about a certain thing, do you look like that? And then, then we get into the whole thing about, well, what does an author look like? Just like leadership, right? What does a leader look like? And so often in that space, it's being informed by male domination. It's being informed by patriarchy. It's being informed by colonialism, by white supremacy, all of those things. And there's not a lot of space to look for different kinds of leadership. Like we haven't really broadened our view. changing though. I, I... Oh, for sure. You know, because because of the amount of people who are now, you know, getting into entrepreneurship and, you know, it's still very male, it's not as much female, but we're starting Mm -hmm. to see more of the of the feminine side. And I'm very encouraged by 
by what I've been seeing. And uh, mm. just to share something, you're going to laugh. <laughs> I'm 5'10 and a half. I don't wear heels. And oh. first of all, because when I wear them, I feel like I'm going to fall over because I'm tall enough already. Uh, but secondly, <laughs> my husband's 5'2", so I definitely do not wear heels. <laughs> the same height as your husband <laughs> so funny yeah I, I do not need to tower over him more than I already do <laughs> right right but height is a great advantage in terms of presence right us short butt folks have to work a little harder well <laughs> let's, more energetic. let's just say that when mama bear roars everyone listens yeah right I hear you it's funny I have a friend uh, uh one of my dear friends she's 5'10 I think and she wears four inch heels all the time she's like I am not gonna I mean to be fair her personality is a little dramatic completely fine and she loves that effect so go for it and I, and I love this sort of this sense of individuality hmm. in this space um, because it's so lovely it's so lovely Mm. to see someone see a man see a woman see a non-binary person see a trans person see someone be themselves and when somebody gets into something that they love and they're in a job that they love and they're in a home that they love and a I don't know car that they love or a transit pass that they love you know their whole being is is lighted up and I'm like ah they're glowing and that is such a great it's like oh I get to be a part of that I <laughs> love it just love it so we've been kind of talking about having this strong professional presence, but I know you've come prepared and we're usually a little later into the podcast than we do this, but can you just share some, a few practical, you know, things we've got about 10, 12 minutes left. Can you share a few practical things about creating that strong presence? Cause I, I think what we've talked about has been wonderful, but I always mm -hmm. love to give a few practical hints and tips to go along with it. For sure. Sort of referring back to the three C's, I told you two and I didn't tell you the third one. So <laughs> the practical tips fall under the third C. So the first one I mentioned was character. And I think to have a strong professional presence, I really think you cannot be wholly present without being whole. And whole doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean finished. But it means that you are deeply considering all the facets of your personality. Because the age of compartmentalization is over. We used to be one person at work and one person at home. And we would show certain things at work and show certain things at home. And the, the two of them usually did not cross paths. Mm. But now, because our world is becoming more integrated and because the salvation for all of us is relational, mm -hmm. we can't compartmentalize like that anymore. So now, certainly old school, sort of older school leaders that are trying to figure out like what can I show and what can't I show are having a harder time because they're like well I had this professional and now it's much more integrated so actually my book book that I'm writing right now is whole person whole presence talking about this integration because my belief is executive presence is dead when I've been doing research I have to say the books that are being written in 2023 about executive presence are the exact same books that were being written in 2003 mm. so all the tips that they give things like speak low and slow be succinct make sure that you're wearing sharper clothing if you want to make a sharper impression. A lot of those things are really based on old thinking yeah. and they're being kind of turned on their head because now it's really much more about being mindful. It's about being in the room when you're in the room. It's about mastering your mindset around why you're in the room. And my belief is if you're in the room, you belong in the room. That's it. So just let it go. And actually right? caring about people. Yeah. Right. Shocker. Right. I'm here. I care about the situation. I care about the business work that we're doing. I care about the people in the room and actually showing that uh, through your actions 
is a mm-hmm. huge, huge part of relational leadership now. And I think what's happening for people is less easy now to kind of do the trick. Not mm-hmm. to say that some of the tricks don't work because they do. If you if you read books like uh, sort of seminal books in the field, like Robert Cialdini's Influence, mm-hmm. um, or if you read Sylvia and I think it's Sylvia and Hewlett, Road Executive Presence, like those tricks, they, they work, right? But they're working less and less and less yeah. because they're not foundationally who the person is. So in terms of the progress, the third C that I always work on is so once you've got your character down and you know who you are and you know what you want and you know where you're going, or at least you have a good approximation of that, then you've got this congruence piece where like, for example, I will never wear a Navy three-piece suit because I would barf. (laughs) not going to do it. Also, I live in Vancouver, which is geographically a very casual city. And, you know, since the pandemic, everybody's gotten a lot, lot more casual, right? So I would never do that because that would not match who I was. So it's really important that you have this congruence. So if I'm, you know, I like to have fun, so I need to look a little bit fun. I like to, I'm kind of fierce, so I need to look a little bit fierce. And I want to be a tiny bit edgy when I'm in my dressing. And with clients, it's the same. And then the last piece with the congruence piece, you also have to think about control. So while it is true that you cannot control whether or not someone's going to like you, because that's not about you of their filters and how they perceive you. You can't control that, but you can control a lot of things. You can control how present you are in a room. Mm -hmm. You can control the way that you speak. You can control the things you can speak about. I sometimes get clients talking to me about, well, how do I do small talk or how do I, I'm like, well, get informed, go read, (laughs) read some stuff, watch some stuff, talk to some people. (laughs) That's how you And if you're not informed, learn how to ask really good questions. Yeah, like uh, ask powerful questions, ask people about, you know, more than just their work and those kinds of things. So it's so it's this piece about, yeah, it's the self-improvement piece for sure. And then controlling the details are around, yes, you can control what you look like. You can control your haircut. You can control your level of grooming. You can control the clothes that fit. And you might not have a lot of money, but you can still, there are still things that you can do to elevate your image. The truth is, is that we are still a very visual society, mm-hmm. very visual people. And people like to slot people into categories. They just, they just visually, it, it's happening all the time, whether you want to or not. It's the way our brains are wired. There's a fair amount of science behind it. And I, I laugh because often uh, if I'm doing talks about appearance related things, or even this piece around nobody sees your skills, right? You could be the most skilled, you could be the most amazing person, you could have the most interesting things, but no one sees that when you walk in a room, right? It doesn't matter. I would say to people, think a little bit about these three areas. Think about the character piece and how well you know yourself and think about how much of what you know about yourself is what someone else told you, particularly if you're younger or you're kind of stuck on your conditioning from, you know, people in your past. So think about who you are and think about what you want to achieve in the world. What kind of service do you want to be of? The coach that I'm working with now, I really like his take on it. He says, it is very irresponsible to consume wealth and happiness in the world if you are not also creating wealth and happiness for other people. Hmm, I like that. Isn't that great? Yeah, his name's Alan Weiss. He's fantastic. He's a really fun guy. Um, and he, it's interesting to me because he is an older white gentleman. He's like 77. He's got lots of degrees and lots of letters and lots of books and all those kinds of things. But he's still relevant. Like he's relevant. He works hard yeah. to understand things. He sticks to his opinion, but he will change his mind if he has more information. Just interesting to learn from people of all different ages. I have a, a mentor that's actually 20. Because if, you, if you're older and you don't have a mentor that's under 30, you're going to miss things. It's yeah. important to get somebody younger as a mentor. But back to the practical tips, other than getting a mentor that's <laughs> older and younger, you think about who you are, think about your environment. Mm-hmm. So with the congruence piece, you want to think about what is your job? What is your industry? Are you happy there? Because if you're not happy there, you're just lying to yourself and you probably need to find a new place to go. 
Um, think about your environment. Think about your cultural upbringing. That has a lot to do mm-hmm. with, with the congruence piece. Think about the people that you're hanging out with now. Think about the city that you live in. Think about the country that you live in. All of those pieces have a part to play in your presence because you carry them with you. Uh, So lots of pieces of your identity. And then the last piece I would say is in the control piece, think very carefully about what you're putting on your back. Think very carefully about how you're showing up for things. Are you respectful of other people's time? Are you kind? Are you edgy? One of my roles in, in the world is to be a challenger. So I try to aim for 10% over the line. Like not so far over the line that people are going to be alienated. Although sometimes it's good to alienate people because then at least you know your market. Not so far over the line, but enough to make people go, oh, I never thought of it like that before. Oh, I never realized that you could be, you could live like this. And particularly in my writing journey, it's been interesting because my first book was the one that's actually published, not the one I'm working on, but this is my first book, Love is Not Pie. And it's about me and my husband learning that we're polyamorous and how do we go about doing that and our first experience in it. And it's a long story and short poem. And the poems are based on about three or 4,000 words of poetry that I wrote to my first sort of longer term relationship, like a four year relationship outside Mm -hmm. of my marriage. And so it's like, oh my God, you have these different relationship structures and you're this kind of person and you're this kind of orientation and bringing all of that out. If you are willing to live that upfront and that out there, it's like a walking permission slip for other people to do the same. Yeah. And we need you. We need you. If you're watching this podcast and you're thinking, well, what do I have to offer? It's like, trust me, we need you. If you're here on this planet, at this time, we need you. And if it's something where like, you're like, well, I'm really happy doing this administrative job. And I'm like, then great. We need people who are great at administration. And we need people who are great at pouring coffee. And we need people who are great at thinking. And we need people like, you know, we're revering these entrepreneurs that are like unicorn, multi-million, billion dollar things. And I'm like, okay, maybe we need that. But we also need people who don't want that. We need people who want things to be simpler. We need people who want things to be socially different. We need, like, we need people who love working in grocery stores, stacking shelves right. to make it easy for us to shop. Yes. I remember when I, I did work at Starbucks for three days kind of when I was in between things. And I remember feeling so grateful. I'm like, sweep the floor, pour the coffee, talk to the people. Hmm. Sweep the floor, pour the coffee, talk to the people. I'm like, that is, there's a certain beauty in that. That's great. Now, I will say it would be really great if all those things had a livable wage. So I will yes. say that. And they should. They should have a livable wage. And they should be a dignified, you know, there should be dignity with all the jobs that people do because all the jobs are very necessary. But whatever it is you want to do, just get doing it. Yeah. Even just in the smallest, smallest, like, I mean, the first thing I think I did to try to find my way out of the desperate situation I was in when I was teaching, the first thing I did was write a list of everything I hated, everything, yeah. everything I hated about my life, which was the place that I was in. I was hating everything. And then the next thing I did was go, okay, if this is everything that I hate and I'm in this place, what is the exact opposite? of each of these like, things, yeah, right? Which is a really simple technique. And I know lots of people already know that, but it's super powerful mm-hmm. to just sit in the place that you're in and take like one little step, one little, yep. just plant one little seed. Exactly. Just do one little thing, yep. just do one thing. And that yep. can lead to really great things. Wow, that's, you know what? You just unloaded a lot there, but you know, it's <laughs> funny, the one thing you said. <laughs> so you talk about being able to, you know, to look good inexpensively. I found a new store in Nova Scotia in Cape Breton, which is a very small area. I'd been to the one when I lived in Ontario, but not very often. But I went to Giant Tiger. That's where I got this top oh, from. Cool. For like 18 bucks. Right? At Giant Tiger. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge 
a, there's a huge market for, I mean, there is fast fashion. So, you know, that, that has its place, but there's a huge upcycle, recycle, resellable market. I have gotten some of my favorite pieces for very little money from consignment stores or from Value Village. Mm-hmm. Out here on, on the West Coast, we have Value Village mm-hmm. or TJ Maxx or Target, or there's lots of places. I've gotten some great stuff from Joe Fresh, like Superstore. Yeah. And in terms of getting quality pieces, it's, it's useful to educate yourself on what quality looks like. Mm-hmm. So there's lots and lots of places on the internet to go look for, hey, what does a quality theme look like? How do I know that a garment is well-made? Um, in the stitching, in the paneling, in the fabric, in the hand of it, those pieces. So there's lots of education on that. Go take a look at that and then take some time and go look for low cost alternatives. And I think it's really important if you know your, like it is a little, it's good to kind of know your coloring and to know sort of elements about your body. Like for example, you're really tall. I'm really short. Tall people wear long things, big things. Short people wear small things, narrow things. Really congruent, really simple pieces. If you have really high contrast features, you have really dark hair, you have really dark eyes, you have lighter skin, then you're going to look good in high contrast clothing. Things that are like black and white as opposed to like tone on tone. Like for me, I've got kind of a medium contrast. So like cream and gray is about as far as I would go. So it's helpful to have like kind of little gems like that. But mostly it's like you want to pick things that go together and use your design principles, which is like the more you can match texture, line, shape, color, the easier it's going to be to make things fit. I'm actually considering starting a new thing. Like, what do I wear with this for the outliers in your wardrobe? <laughs> I have a pink tutu. What do I wear with this? So, Catherine, I got to interrupt you because we're actually okay. over time for the show. Oh, no. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> it's been such a wonderful conversation. So you got about one minute. How okay. can people connect with you if, they, if they've been listening to this and they want to find out more? Um, how can they connect with yeah. you? And do you have any freebies or anything that you're giving away? Uh, it's easy to find me on the internet. If you Google Catherine Lazarick, there's not very many of us around. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Catherine Lazarick. And I also have CatherineLazarick.com, which is my author website, and LZRKConsulting.com, which is my professional site. And so you can contact me there. And if some if you contact me on my website, there's a contact form there. And you just put in the notes section, hey, I listened to you on the Author to Authority podcast, then I will send you my 10 latest articles on how to create a strong visual signature. Wonderful. Thank you yeah. so much, Catherine. Really appreciate so you being on the show. So this is Catherine Lazarick and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority <laughs> podcast. Thank Yay. you so much for listening. And we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.